And welcome back to episode 128 of the Weekly Tech Ramp with me, Jay. And me, Carl. I think you either fell off your chair or the mic burst into life there. I'm not sure which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> Coming through loud and clear. <laughs> ah, yes, you are indeed. And we are back for our weekly roundup of all the latest tech news, stories and other things. Um, before we kick off, uh, I had a little bit of a kind of geek out earlier today. So... For those of a certain age, uh, the word, the name of, you know, the name Loft, Cult of the Dead Cow, um, and other uh, renowned hacking groups and hackers is probably something, you know, if you grew up in the, the 90s, you know, came of age in the 90s and, and then got into computing, or, or perhaps even obviously older, I should say as well, you know, uh, these groups uh, were the four, well, no, they, they were, weren't they? They were the, they were. the forerunners of today's you know, hacking collectives, um, you know, the loft particularly uh, with, you know, the famous uh, congressional testimony back in 1998. Uh, you know, these guys, for, for me, were like mythical heroes, you know, uh, when I was childhood. computing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like those late 90s when I was kind of, you know, teenager and in the early 2000s of my first computer, you know, the, the stuff they got up to, you know, the, you know, looking at you know, things like loft crack and other reading about them, they were, they were mythical people, you know, um, oh, yeah. and I never thought I'd ever get to, to meet them. Um, but when I joined IBM a couple of days later, uh, Space Rogue, who puddled off, he you know joined X Force uh, IBM. Um, and I remember randomly, I think not meeting as in like meeting face to face, but he was at one of the events. And I think I kind of was like, oh my God, you know who it was. Anyway, <laughs> he's just recently brought a book out. Um, written by himself uh, about the year, you know, the, the loft years, if you will. Um, and it was about, it's called Space Rogue, How the Hackers Know That the Loft Changed the World. And it's his story um, of those 25 odd years um, when, you know, of getting into computers, uh, yeah. you know, getting into sort of hardware hacking, joining loft and leading up to, you know, where he is today. Um, anyway, long story short is that I, I read the book. It's fantastic. I recommend you getting it if you're into that, and you can get it, I think, as an ebook in, in all other places. So from that point. But anyway, so I tweeted this morning. I was like, look, I wanted to say thanks because it was a great book. So I tweeted him and said, look, you know, uh, what great book this was, and you know, just kind yep. of you know, amazing. Anyway, what I didn't expect was for um, not only uh, him to retweet it, but Loft retweeted it. Really? Um, uh, and I then got likes from uh, several other people, but also Weld Pond as well, oh, who was one of the other. I was like, oh my God. There was a bit of that. There was a bit of earlier. But so, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I geeked out a little bit earlier about that. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was just, you know, they should, you know, one of those things that I guess even at our ages, we still can have those moments. But yes. Yep. Right then, let's talk about today's world then. And uh, oh, we've been talking a bit about the last few weeks about AI have made machine learning, particularly AI more than machine yep. learning. Um, and you know, ChatGPT, Bard, we talked about, uh, and uh, Bing. I've been a good Bing. Well, <laughs> it turns out then now you too can get your own good Bing um, for a mere what, close to forty grand a month, isn't it, from Nvidia? It, yeah, yeah. So if you fancy building your own <clears throat> OpenAI, Bing, um, any large language model kind of stuff, <clears throat> NVIDIA will sell you what they call DGX Cloud. So starts at $37,000 a month. Starts, okay. But that gets you, I think that gets you one of the DGX server boxes with eight of their A100 CPUs. You can get the H100, so even bigger, but obviously more money. You get 640 gig of RAM. Um, Buying one of these boxes would cost you over 200K, though. So 37K a month first. I'm not sure that's good value for money when you could just buy the boxes. But you can scale this up to, what, 
I think they said 32,000 <laughs> CPUs. Well, yeah. Wowza. Uh, and you'll be able to... Oh, it, that's a huge amount, isn't it? <laughs> huge. Huge. I mean, the power here is unbelievable. I mean, like you say, you know, the what was it... You get you get for that point was it as you say those eight plus sixty four but yeah thirty two thousand GPUs plus the additional storage software yeah. and direct access to to Nvidia's expert group isn't it? Um, I just yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just like uh, they'll help optimize your code. They won't do it for you, but they'll optimize whatever you've put together. I mean, I guess you know there are going to be organizations out there who are the thinking, wonders. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what? We could be burning a lot of money in trying to build our own, you know, and roll it. Yeah. But actually, this is obviously not off the shelf in terms of ready to rock, but it's off the shelf in the terms of it's ready to go in terms, you know, you just need to train it, don't you, and, and configure it. Yeah, and put your code on it and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I, I you know, so this this is uh, kind of very related, though, isn't it, as you say, to, to what Microsoft are doing with Bing. Um, it is. So is this exactly the same uh, kind of hardware setup? Yeah, because you'll be able to get this from uh, obviously Nvidia aren't putting it in their own cloud because they don't have one. This will be running on Azure or GCP uh, a bit later in the year. I think Oracle Cloud, strangely enough, will be the first people out where you can rent this. Uh, but yeah, it's already in their DCs. I'm pretty sure this is what you know OpenAI, OpenAI Bing Chat is running on. Um, but yeah, you'll be able to buy a slice of that now. Wow. I mean, look, I you know me. I love ChatGPT. I think I just, there was uh, I sent you the cartoon, didn't I, the other day? That was, <laughs> that was you. Yeah, it was fun. But I mean, it is. It does. I mean, every time. Oh, sorry, the video, not cartoon. Sorry, it? it was a video on LinkedIn about this guy. It was a video, yeah. Um, and it was. It is true. It is kind of like, oh my god, I've got to tell you about this, and it does get a bit. I appreciate. It probably gets a little tedious. Uh, but Your I wife think, must love this. <laughs> I just don't talk about it. Um, it is uh, outside of you uh, and everybody else. Uh, it is. It is quite fun. I just there's so much it can do, and I keep trying to ask it things and like test it, and it keeps giving me good. You know, uh, give yeah. give me good answers. I mean, obviously you've got to take some of the pinch of salt, <laughs> but generally speaking, unless you yeah. really try to give it complex tasks. You know, it's quite hard. Yep. Now, obviously, one of the things we were trying to get through last week was build an app, wasn't it, and come up with it. And it was pretty good. I yep. think, you know, if, if I had more coding skills, I could generate something. I suppose you mean if any I had... coding skills. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, think, I mean, I do think if I had the best part of 36 grand a month available to spend, you know, maybe I could run my own, you know, train it how I wanted maybe. to train it. Uh, but, yeah. Hmm. But but just, I know we haven't... We're, one of the stories that came out this week, though, wasn't it, was that... Um, uh, Google might be in hot water, aren't they, about their their, their Lambda chat engine Bard um, over Whoa. rumors over rumors that they may have um, given it some data from ChatGPT, isn't it? Yeah, didn't someone walk out of the job saying, "I can't do this," which is basically stealing Microsoft stuff here? Yeah, because there's a website, isn't there, where people post conversations that they've had mm. with ChatGPT, yeah. um, and it. It is alleged, not proven, but alleged yeah, yeah. that Google, uh, particularly the, the Bard team, had been getting Bard or Lambda to ingest that data to understand what prompts and responses it could be given to, yeah. to generate it. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, again, not proven, just an allegation, but, yeah, definitely an interesting, interesting way of looking at it. where that one goes, yeah. Yeah, I um, I I'm possibly though I did. There was one thing, and again, I I, I saw this in the the Times newspaper today. So the UK Times, um, they had a story today about a uh, the headline was AI chatbot blamed for Belgian man suicide. Right. Okay. 
Um, so apparently, uh, to, to kind of summarize it, the young, a young man uh, in Belgium um, has taken his own life after developing a relationship with uh, an AI chatbot uh, called, uh, now where was it? I had the notes here, uh, Eliza. Now, now there right. was... I don't know if you remember, many years ago, there was an Eliza uh, bot created to try and pass the tune test, you know, old-fashioned. Right, you know. yeah, yeah. But apparently this one is a chatbot developed by a company called, wait for this, Chai GPT. <laughs> so, right. So Chai as in the drink, uh, an yeah. alternative to chat based by a company called Chai Research. Um, and the, 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 the gentleman's wife said that, you know, he'd become very withdrawn, he was having problems. Um, and this Eliza chatbot, you know, was there as a confidant, mm. asked lots of questions. Um, and apparently he asked the chatbot uh, who he loved more, uh, his wife or the chatbot. And the chatbot replied, I quote, I feel you love me more than her. We will live together as one person in paradise. And in the final conversation, apparently it is alleged, it told him, if you want to die, why, why didn't you do it sooner? Oh, oh. absolutely, absolutely terrifying. Um, <laughs> Clearly there were some... Other issues beyond just a conversation with this chai GPT yeah, yes, beforehand, of obviously, but wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is it is quite so to the, I guess around. So apparently the so the EU is drawing up what they're calling Artificial Intelligence Act now. Um right. to kind of provide regulation. I mean Free laws of robotics. Well, possibly. We I mean we have seen this week, haven't we, the the letter signed by several tech luminaries who want to including including Musk, which I thought was kind of ironic. Uh, to say that you know they wanted to regulate the the training of these LLMs, uh, didn't they? Mm. Um, but uh, it was quite interesting though. There was so uh, a guy called Gary Marcus, who is a professor at the New York uh, New York University, oh, sorry New York University. Yeah, apparently told um, the big technology podcast last month uh, that he said something else that he's got to be worried about is that our people are going to kill themselves because they have a bad relationship with a bot or AI. We're not ready for any of these things. And in Wired magazine, apparently last year, he wrote in 2023, we may see our first death by chatbot. That's right. quite a prediction. Yeah. Um, but like you say, you know, we don't know the full statements of this gentleman's life. Um, no, you know, it's not right for us to speculate, you know, entirely here, but it is concerning. I think that, you know, that, the responses by the chatbot may probably have um, exacerbated things. Maybe I don't yeah. know, but yeah, that's it. But this Chai GPT, um, they are an open source. It's an open source model. Um, right. comp the, it's run by a nonprofit called uh, Eleuther AI, and they said themselves that they believe that the technology is dangerous, uh, but they reckon by allowing everybody to use it, it gets better research. Now we know that OpenAI, the OpenAI will not release any of the source code um, for or any of the, the information, how they're training ChatGPT yeah. for the opposite reason, because they believe the safety concerns are, but also competition. Uh, so yeah, kind kind of concerning, isn't it? It's, this is uh, weird. Ch uh, Chai Research, by the way, have said that they've rolled out some security features now um, that right. protect users. Now, they haven't stated what they were, but they have rolled them out uh, to that. Um, mm. they have over, they've got over a million monthly active users. Unbelievable. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, but yeah, just I just saw it this morning, and as well as doing my notes, I was like, "This, yeah, kind of timely, uh, timely comment could be dangerous." Yeah, I think. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. Chat GPT is great fun, and you could easily uh, lose yourself you yeah. know, within inside that uh, around. 
you know, questions, answers. And it's, I think if you didn't, if you weren't grounded, perhaps it could yeah. also be very easy to start to rely on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, but yeah, on that point then, 36 grand or 37 grand a year, a month, excuse me, will get you access to your own version of it. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be crowdfunding for that soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be running the uh, podcast for us. Yeah. Uh, well, it's to- well. <laughs> well, you never know. Anyway, yeah. uh, moving on. So talking of money then, um, yep. oh, Coinbase uh, are in hot water again. Mm, they are. They are indeed, aren't they? Uh, so they're, they're that popular cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, well, they've just received a Wells notice from the US Securities Exchange Commission or the SEC. Um, basically, that Wells notice is kind of a formal notification the SEC staff intends to recommend enforcement action against the company for possible violations of you know security laws related to this crypt- their crypto trading assets and stuff. Uh, now, I think Coinbase, Coinbase uh, put their hands up, haven't they? I said, yep, they plan to cooperate with the SEC and they'll provide a comprehensive response uh, to the world's notice. Uh, but basically, it's basically under investigation um, for allowing trading of unregistered securities on the platform and that it failed to yeah. register as a national securities exchange as well. Uh, sounds like they're in deep water. I don't think this is the first time you were saying, was it, Jay? It's, no, so no. Coinbase... Coinbase have been fined uh, before. In fact, this year, yeah. so they yeah. were they were fined fifty million dollars um, that they had violated anti money laundering laws um, right. as part of and that was with New York regulators. So that was purely uh, okay, with the yeah. New York State, uh, and that was over fraud, money laundering, uh, particular information. But they also got fined, and this is more pertinent. Uh, they got fined um, three point six million dollars yeah. by the Dutch National Bank because they didn't register in the Netherlands before offering crypto services. Uh, naughty, naughty. But Coinbase said it disagreed with the DMB's decision because it included no criticism or actual services and they were going to appeal. Huh. But that sounds very similar to what's happened here with the SEC. It does indeed. In that you haven't, you're operating without registration. Um, now, Coinbase, as you say, are you know with this Wells notice and and a Wells notice um, is refers to the SEC committee uh, that was uh, chaired by John Wells back in 1972. So I guess it's just you know the kind of yeah. the phrasing around that, not particularly. Uh, I thought perhaps it was something like Wells Fargo or something. I don't ask me why, but it went no. down that road. Um, Coinbase themselves are kind of arguing, aren't they, saying that there's no rules, there is no rule book. So how can they be, how can they be uh, fined or investigated? Wasn't it when yeah. there are no stated rules? Uh, which oh, is odd. I wonder if that's true. That they may have a point there, but that's never stopped a government agency doing what they want before. <laughs> no, of course not. This <laughs> is usually we regulate. We we kind of slap you, then regulate, and then decide to write the rule book. <laughs> write the rules afterwards, yeah, <laughs> just before we get to court. Yeah. So there were some tweets, wasn't there, from um, Paul? <clears throat> is it Gruel? Gruel, I think, is there, who is uh, the chief legal officer. Um, yeah. And he posted the he posted the PDF, didn't he, of the letter from the SEC online. Um, but like you say, he did say that they were, you know, going to cooperate, but also go to court with them to understand how yeah. to work it. Because they were, I think their view was that is if we go to court, then we can get some legislation and set precedents on how how this works. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you know Coinbase. Yeah, given given everything's happened with Binance, given everything that's happened with FTX, I think to be a crypto. Exchange, yeah. 
Mm. I don't know. I, this seems a very Nicely times. It does. It does. Because I did see the other day that um, there was a news point apparently saying about Coinbase um, are in Canada, but apparently Binance are going to exit Canada because there's going to be a regulatory shakeup there. This is coming oh. down the line. Every country is trying to regulate heavily, isn't it? On that, yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. You know, Apparently, the reason Canada's doing it is, do you remember that Quadriga CX? We talked about that before. Do you remember the guy who, oh, went, yeah. who presumed dead, wasn't he? You know, And uh, nobody's quite sure whether he did die or not, um, <laughs> uh, all, uh, which turned out to be a Ponzi scheme as well. Um, you know, the, so there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of concerns that, you know, any other crypto exchange could be there. Um, but apparently Coindesk, uh, Co- Coin, Coinbase. Uh, Coindesk, Coinbase, excuse me, um, is... Uh, also uh, working very closely with the Canadian Security Administration. So who knows? Maybe maybe they are completely clean. Maybe this is just a mistake. <coughs> I don't know. You know, um, and the SEC oh, is uh, just barking up the wrong tree. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in court. Yeah, I think the problem with the SEC is that given everything else of their history, you know, it does make you wonder whether or not they are chasing the right, you know, the right rabbit, if you will. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Definitely see on that one. Definitely. What have we got next then? Ah, Linus Tech Tips. Oh, we, yes. we spoke about this briefly when we were in Vegas, didn't we? And it just kind of happened that morning. We were going to come back to you when we heard some some more information. Well, Linus himself has put out a video, hasn't there? And it kind of covered in the media about what actually happened. So, yeah, I think some hackers might manage to get in and we'll discuss in a minute how they got in. But they took out the main uh, Linus Tech Tips channel along with two other channels, uh, deleted all the videos, changed the names to something to do with Tesla, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I started pumping out those uh, crypto scam uh, videos where Elon Musk is talking with, with a panel about it and follow this link to an Elon Musk-looking website and buy your crypto. It was something to do if you put like some Bitcoin in, it'd be returned doubled within X number of days, wasn't it? Some scam like that. Yeah, that's it. The one, you know, as you say, the, the videos themselves weren't scammed. It was the link. Well, that was a real video. It was a it, link underneath, wasn't it, to a, it, a scam website. You're right. As you say, it was that classic, um, yeah, you send us one Bitcoin, we'll send you two back or two back, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which which we have seen those before on, um, on Twitter and other things like that. Again, using Elon Musk, again, as uh, that kind of... Uh, Front for it, Elon Musk and Tesla. Yeah. So, but apparently, uh, you know, Linus was saying that they had they've done an investigation. They had passwords. They had two factor protection on all their accounts. But what seems to have happened though is one of uh, Media Group's team downloaded what appeared to be a sponsorship offer from a potential partner. They launched the uh, the offer came in a PDF format. They launched it, and that basically installed malware on the machine, and actually, you know basically copied all the bits from the browser. The most important, it included the session token to YouTube. So by grabbing that session token, putting it on a new machine, you basically bypass all the passwords and 2FA because it thinks you're still logged in with a session token. And this gave them full access to the channels. I mean, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? Uh, yeah. When you think about it. Um, and, you know, with the video that, the video that Linus put out, as you say, um, shows him... Running down his, it must be from his internal security cameras, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, it's in his house. Yeah, at like three three in the morning or whatever it is. Three in the morning, he's been woken up 
uh, from somebody. You know, he's running downstairs to his office. Uh, you know, clearly jumped out of bed. He's not wearing a stitch because the blurring. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And then you know him. You know, then he says this in his own words. He plays whack a mole, doesn't he? Trying to log them in and out of yeah. Trying session. to figure out how they've got access, changing passcodes because that's not doing anything. You've still got a session token. Exactly, and this you know, and this is absolutely it. So it's absolutely nuts, you know. It just. <laughs> Despite having every bit of security that you're encouraged to have, you know, the 2FA, the multi-factor, yep. all of the different things, it doesn't, it just proves that there is, if somebody's going to do it, they're going to they're going to get around it, isn't it, really? It was. And while he said, look, YouTube were responsive, and that's probably only because he's a large, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of media group there. If you'd been me or you, we would have got nothing out of them, you know, but they've got a dedicated account manager. And while they were responsive and restored all the videos and figured out what happened, he was going on to look there needs to be some improvements. Apparently you can change the channel name without having to enter a password or re-authenticate two-factor FA. Um, you can delete all the videos again with no prompt to re-authenticate. Uh, are you sure? It just gone at a click of a button. Uh, and it's not even any reauthorization if you're logging in from a new location. No, this was a bit that puzzled me. I mean, I think his point was, you know, for smaller accounts like you or mine, yeah, you can understand why that's not there. It's not. But for these larger mainstream, almost media style, well, yeah. they are media. They are, right, yeah. You know, there's no, you know, as you say, there's no additional verification to make any of these what effectively are massive changes um, to do it. And I think, you know, it. it I, I sometimes get, personally speaking, I, I find him kind of irritating sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Linus. But, I, you know, when I watched the video, I, I actually did feel for him. I genuinely, yep. I felt for him because, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, this is his business. He employs lots of people. You know, this is his livelihood at stake. And, and actually, people you know, work from their livelihoods and their jobs, yeah, you know, yeah, without exactly. the money, they don't pay the bills, they don't get paid. No, and for all of my personal thoughts around, you know, as in, how about his video but genuinely from a point of view of this is somebody running a business and somebody else is there you know this could happen to any other and that's what he's saying could happen to any other things and in the video didn't they i think if i recall they they found i think is i think they say 10 seconds to find another channel exactly with similar yeah, all over it's screen. a rampant problem on youtube it is concerning isn't it to be honest yep. with you um of this once you're um, in this there's no problem for any re-authentication for pretty much anything which no. does seem kind of crazy when you're making major changes. No. And and YouTube themselves haven't really given anything beyond saying that, you know, as you say, they they, they were alerted, they, they investigated, <laughs> and yeah, problem solved. Thanks very much. Come again. Um, no, the problem isn't solved. <laughs> the problem is still there. <laughs> you solved this incident. For now. Well, yes. Yeah, for now. For now. Um, and I think uh, the the Verge asked uh, yeah. in, in you know the statement, didn't they? If they were going to do anything, there was no re- there was no reply. They didn't even get a reply. No, no, no. I just you know this is it. But you know, t- take a step back here to this the the attack vector here. Yeah. You know, we are constantly taught, and you know we see this in our industry because yeah. we work in the security industry. You know, do not click if somebody sends you an attachment and you don't know who it's from. Don't open it. Don't look at it. Don't respond no. to it. You know, delete it. Which is great, you know. But actually, you know, this is human. This is everything we talk about. You know, you can have yeah. the most sophisticated security in the world, but ultimately, a human is involved in that transaction. Things will go wrong. Um, and I think that's the problem here is that this nobody's at fault here. And you know, yeah. he doesn't point the finger. He doesn't say they're to blame. 
no, no, it's one of those things. It's just one of those things where somebody was saying it, and especially you know he's got you know this he's, he's he runs a media group as we know you know so people are going to send him things sponsorship information you know things will come in um, and somebody doing their job perhaps didn't you know do enough diligence I don't know and we you know, don't know if it's one of those ones that's you know uh, invoice.pdf.exe or whether it's actually a flaw within. Adobe and the PDF was the vector to take system access. It doesn't go into that much detail. No, it just says that it was a PDF that had sponsorship information in it, yeah. um, but then that was actually you had a payload in there that then he did, did did the session hijacking um, and copied. But I'm, I'm sure you know he's got right contacts. I'm sure there'll be a security team involved here or something. He's he's working with that can analyze that. Um, but ultimately, that. That error, as you know, that issue is exactly the problem. You know, the, that hasn't it was anything to do. Nobody has gone in and done 2FA, nobody else has um come along and um, uh, you know, I don't know, social engineered this guy, have no. they to, to you know, none of that has happened. You know, that's then that's the thing, and that's your point, isn't it? That this this takeover or this, uh, this, uh, should we say mm. this attack vector to do takeover, um, is where the problem lies. Um, yeah. And you know what? I protecting against this is probably is one of the hardest things um, to to be done, isn't it? Really, it's just education. It is, isn't it? It, it's education, but then you need the platform to be kind of not that like YouTube was insecure itself. It wasn't a vulnerability in YouTube, but it was you know a lack of sensible security options implemented at YouTube. Um, you know, because it just took one thing. You know, changing if they changed the uh, name and it said, "Please reauthenticate," and of course they couldn't do that, and it just. Uh, logs out all sessions. The hack would never happened. No, it does. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? And I think you know, my suggestion would be to anybody, uh, you know, just just be careful, isn't it? You know, yep. uh, be careful of what what you click on. Be careful yep. of what you're there. And again, we all make mistakes. Nobody is nobody's suggesting you know we're all going to get it right every single time. Um, but if it can happen, if it can happen to Linus, um, if it can, you know, happen to somebody like them who talks about security, they talk about, you know, you know yeah. all the kind of stuff, isn't it? It can happen to you and me or any of us. So I think it's definitely there's a lesson here to be to be had. And, yeah. and he's done a good job in talking about that, I think, as well, isn't it? You know, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he was open about it. Quite a lot of people wouldn't have been. So, you know, give him credit for that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it was shocking. I think to to see it happen, you know, and kind of see those videos, it was quite concerning, wasn't it? Because you're like, yeah. oh my god, you know, yeah. uh, you know. But on the other hand, you could argue, you could argue, you know, what security measures could be put in now? Do they, you know, do they allow? you know email is there going to be additional things here for them to open but yeah, this is the weird stuff isn't it it's like how do you yeah. protect it? because you could go over the top and like right well no we're no longer going to open our attachments you know well then how are you going to get you know uh, we're banning email you... we're only going by well, snail no, mail <laughs> and this is the thing isn't it this is this is it you know absolutely yeah. uh absolutely thing but do you know what i find really interesting though is reading some of the comments and it's particularly on the verge co- uh page about this uh, reading some of the comments is you. I mean, I'm not suggesting there aren't experts in that chat, uh, but um, but was, everybody's got an opinion. There's <laughs> a lot of armchair experts, yeah. There's a lot of armchair experts in there, you know. Yeah, I didn't uh, read the comments, so I don't know, but I, I can only imagine, yeah. Yeah, 
it's it's brilliant there's there's everybody's got an opinion you know yeah, um, of course. <laughs> and you know <laughs> well, that's the what the internet's is, about <laughs> it is is it everybody's got an opinion of course everybody knew, knows better but ultimately the bottom line is fishing this was a fishing attack and it worked yeah. and it and worked it does an awful lot and it does and you know what as we you know we often talk about in our line of work fishing is still the number one attack vector massively yeah but yeah, so yeah, Linus, Linus is back online now. You can see it if you. We'll have the video in the show notes. Um, and he gives quite just he states it as he. But if you're watching this, then we're back online. Yes, we are back online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, well, Next keeping one. the theme, keeping the theme of uh, Linus, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is actually a company he's invested in. Uh, he did have a video about it, and he's very open that he's invested money in this company. The company is Framework, and I think we've spoken to them before, even before Linus invested in them. You know, and uh, they make what they describe as upgradable, repairable laptops, don't they? They build a laptop, a chassis. When they, you know, bring out a 12th or 13th gen Intel, they provide you with a brand new motherboard and CPU if you want to, and it's a drop-in replacement. It's a five-minute job to take the old one out, pop the new one in. They've even given you 3D printed files to print a case to put the old one in so you can use it as a desktop. Yeah, uh, yeah so it's, it's all about sustainability and being able to replace the parts and upgrade it when you want to. So they, they held um, um, what do you call it? A, a media event the other day, didn't they, to announce some new products. Uh, they announced, uh, for the, for the, they only have one laptop, the 13-inch one, I should say. So they announced a 13th gen Intel upgrade for that. And finally, finally, an AMD option uh, based on the 7000 series. Uh, but to go along with that, they're giving you a bigger battery so you can just take new one if you want to pop it in your old laptop so it'll give you what, a 61 watt hour battery rather than the old 55 watt hour they now do matte versions of their screens and a new hinge kit designed to kind of hold the screen more securely so you can buy all these upgrades for your old laptops but the big one that made us go wow was their new 16 inch laptop now yes. it's a preview i don't think it's going to be out until the end of the year or even early next year and there's no specs as such on it but they were shown the new expansion options so one one of the good things about the 13 inches, rather than having dedicated ports, they have what they call modules, didn't they? So That's right. You, and you had four spaces, and you say, well, I want two USB-C, I want a HDMI, I want networking maybe, or I want an SD card. And they're, they're hot swappable. They're all based on USB, so you can buy extras and just swap them as you need them. Now, the new 16-inch is going to have six of those ports rather than four. But this is where it starts to go a bit crazy. So they have what they call the expansion bay, I think they called it. I think, it was, I think it was, yeah, that was what they had termed it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and this is what allows you to basically hot swap dedicated GPU modules. So they didn't say whether it's NVIDIA or AMD, but you'll be able to get different modules to slap it in the back and instantly get a dedicated GPU in there. Or take it out and just rely on the onboard one. But you can also use this for other stuff. Use it for storage. Like I think they're going to bring out a first-party one that has uh, dual NVMe storage in it. You could add a capture card, maybe an extra battery if you wanted to, or basically anything that can use PCI Express. Uh, so third parties be able to make these modules and just slot them into the laptops. It is this, you know, people say, oh, you know, upgradable <coughs> laptops have been around for years. Well, <clears throat> yes and no. Yeah, pretty much upgradable laptops were you could change the hard disk or the memory. 
you, you know, not so much nowadays with the thinner no, lights because no. they're all soldered on, aren't they? Max, yeah. for example. But but in the previous you know iteration of laptops, yeah, of course, you, you could. That was it. But this is this is upgradable in the sense of desktop upgradable. As in, I want a new GPU. Well, I'll just go get one then. I want you know, as you say, I want to change the, the ports on it. I don't need USB uh, yep. you know A anymore. I want all USB C up the side of it. Um, you know, I want an Ethernet port. Uh, I want to swap that out for a Display Port. You know that kind of functionality, as you say. You know the whole bit of being able to upgrade your machine yep. as its lifestyle. Um, and you know, go back to the before we get onto the sixteen-inch one, as you talked about. You know, the 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 Ryzen one. Just again, you know, the the specs of them again were phenomenal. Now they're not cheap. Let's just make ourselves very very clear here. No, they're it's a premium like, laptop. You're looking at. I think they start at, what nine hundred pounds. Nine hundred exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, and I think I spent a decent seven thousand one, didn't I? Um, for I think eighteen hundred or whatever. I think when we were playing yeah. around with it, yeah, there was some concerns about the battery. Some people saying, oh, you know, that to get the bigger bat- Ryzen, you have to take their larger sixty one watt battery. Um, but you know, there are kind of ums and ahs. People they always will find you know queries yeah. with it. But this new sixteen inch one, like you say, is a beast of a machine. Um, the bit I it- love though that GPU module, the fact that if you didn't, you could. Obviously, plug it in and take it with you. But if you're using it on your desktop, you can actually take it out and just stick it in uh, an external PCIe dock and have it as a Thunderbolt GPU as well. I was like, crazy. Exactly. And you know, they're talking as well around allowing developers to build their own versions of these, isn't it? Yeah, it's an open you know, spec. Yeah. Open spec. You know, and they're talking about other kinds of uh modules. So they've got these oh, input modules yeah. at three sizes, yeah. as you say, so small, medium, and large. That'll also be things like keyboards, yeah. uh, RGB. This is all to if you do with the how you interact with the laptop, isn't it? So it's yeah. Top boards, your keypad, trackpad era. As you mentioned, yeah, small, medium, and large. So what was it? The large is the keyboards themselves, isn't it? Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Going to do white backlight or RGB. So you want the game five, you can stack your RGB <laughs> in. The medium ones are interesting. So basically, if you've got your keyboard in the middle, right, you can lift it up, move it to the left, okay, and then slap another module to the right, or you could put it to the left if you want to do it the other way around. But these could be number pads, jog dials, sliders, touchscreen displays, e-ink notepads, smart card readers, whatever you can imagine. Uh, I thought, yeah, that was a really cool bit for me. And then you've got the, the smaller modules, which flank the keyboard if you've got it in the middle, and they're usually decorative. But they could be LED matrix. They could be haptic sliders. Whatever you can imagine, if someone can build it, they could slap that in. Again, it's all an open standard, and they've released this as kind of open source. Other yeah. manufacturers could use the same idea, or you can build modules based on it and sell those. I, I to me, I mean, when I looked at those, when it talked about things like e-ink notepads, I was like, wow. I was like, that yep. just the, you know, those sort of things. Can you imagine a laptop that had a you know, keyboard and then to the right of it, the ability to scribble on an e-ink? I mean, just uh, there are so many possibilities here. It's unbelievable. It is. And the um, big one from a user point of view, I love is quite often if you have a full-size keyboard with numpad. The touchpad is in the middle. That's right. Rather yeah. than aligned with the keyboard. So now on this one, you can just move it to the left and have it aligned know, with the keyboard. Brilliant. I was like, brilliant. <laughs> um, but of course, as we say, this will come at a premium cost. And rightfully so, because this isn't, you know, this isn't Dell producing no. these. This is you know framework and they've got, you know, they're a smaller organization, quite they a small are, still. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're in the market for a custom built laptop. You know of your spec. Uh, now, obviously, as we said, we don't know the specifics on the you know the, the CPUs and that kind of storage. But you know, let's be honest. Given what they've done already, it's going to be, be a thirteen, like the thirteen, wouldn't it? Intel and AMD. You might have higher powered ones, bigger batteries, I imagine. But it'd be a similar kind of thing. 
It is. Um, and you, you know what you were saying about the desktop thing, isn't it? Wasn't it? Um, they released the three D print um specs. Yeah, for... a year or so ago, didn't they? For the yeah, the thirteen inch ones. So if you've got one of these laptops and you've decided you wanted to upgrade it to a new one, you can just take out the old motherboard and put it in this three D printed case, and you've got yourself basically a micro PC, haven't you? That I can yeah. look, but flatter yeah. longer. Uh, yeah. yeah, flatter, flatter. Like, actually, if you don't have a three D printer, Cooler Master will now sell you a case. That's right, they will, yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, just I worry though that obviously competing against the giants is hard, but there is definitely a market here for people who want to be able to manage and control their machines. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, very interested in it. Next time I buy a, a brand new laptop and I've got a bit of money, I would be very, very tempted. I think so myself. It's definitely something I will be investigating. Uh, Save those pennies. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, very, very cool. And, uh, you know, I think Framework are doing great stuff here. And long may it continue. Definitely. I mean, I did buy myself a laptop recently. I bought a second hand of eBay, but I still spent a fair whack on it. But I looked yeah. at the framework, and it was just the fact that I didn't have a dedicated GPU at that point. As I wanted a bit of, I wanted an NVIDIA, you know, 3050 or something in there. Uh, so I ended up buying you know, a gaming laptop. But it doesn't look like gaming. Uh, it's still fairly svelte. But yeah. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't look like gaming. I love that statement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it does have an LED dot matrix display on the outside, but it's no, there's no RGB, so we'll let that one off. <laughs> but if Framework had done a 13 inch with a DGPU at that point, I would seriously consider. I'd say a bit more, a few more pennies to afford it, but it definitely would have been the way I went. Ah, oh, oh, indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take our turn our attention just yeah. for a little bit to Twitter. And oh, you're probably thinking, oh, here we go again. But I think this is just worth having a chat about. So a couple briefly, of weeks ago, yeah. we talked a little bit about um, how Twitter was planning to make changes to the verification model. And this yeah. is now going to come into action on Saturday, the 1st of April. Yes, you heard me right. Twitter are planning to do this change on April Fool's Day. So come Saturday then, Carl, what are we going to see happen across wow. Twitter? Wow. They did roll out the paid check marks, didn't they? Twitter blue, they called it. And there was a confusion. They rolled it out and rolled it back and rolled it back out again. Uh, but it's what's the difference between the paid one and the actual real verified users? Well, the difference is that come April the 1st, the paid people will actually still be verified the real verified people from before won't be verified anymore. They're going to strip them of their blue mark if you've not paid. So what we've gone from here then is having a verification system that states that you, not organizations for a second, let's talk about people, um, that, you know, somebody is a professional, maybe a celebrity, maybe, I don't know, an expert in their field, you know, they are journalists, they have verified themselves through you know, various points of identification based on things I've read on Twitter, you know, gone to jump through many hoops to get that blue tick to, you know, mm. be to, so people believe and are able to trust who they are. You're actually to now verified, to, you mean, with an actual ID. Exactly. To now, to now, I can just spin up Twitter on my phone here, dump $8 a month, and yep. I too can get a blue tick. So that we've gone it. from I'm verified by real ID to actually know what this shows now is that I've paid for Twitter. I've got eight dollars. Yeah, well, I haven't anymore. I gave it to Twitter, but yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but I mean it gets worse though. Uh, so you know that for you feed they introduced back in was it January. Oh, don't don't I hate it absolutely anyway, hate it. I don't mind because generally it's got some good recommendations sometimes, and I've gone oh yeah I'll follow that person. Well, those recommendations now will only be for people who've paid for twitter so sorry i should rephrase that one 
the, the recommendations that appear in everyone's feed will only be of people who have paid for Twitter. <laughs> so, so basically, it's now pump and dump because you could be a scammer, you could be anybody, and yeah. you can now find your way chasing up the, the recommendation feed yeah. because you've dumped your $8 a month. If you don't pay, there's no way for you to attract new followers. Or not really, not in the scale that you used to be able to amass a following. Uh, yeah. You need to pay to get that now. I mean, Musk himself says that this is to combat AI bots, isn't it? And bot swarms, as he, and that's his words, not mine, yeah. um, in people chasing up. But actually, uh, you know... Actually, it's not quite like that, because he's actually gone on to say that... Oh, bots, yes. Yeah. Bots are allowed, as long <laughs> as they know, pay their $8, and they don't pretend to be a human. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want here? This is the he wants the to... money. That's what he wants. Yeah, oh, he yes. Wants Sorry. You Sorry. How did... billion. He, he himself only recommend, only thinks it's worth $20 billion now. He wants the money. I'm not sure it's even worth twenty billion. Well, nor is a journalist. I saw. I can't. I apologise. I can't remember the source of this, but there was a, a journalist the other day who published a kind of rebuttal to that, working out that given all of the other factors um, and the value of the shares, all that kind of you know theoretical, you know, uh, Twitter. Oh, and that was it. And the debt that Twitter has. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twitter's worthless. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Well, moving on, moving on. I've had enough of Twitter for today. <laughs> I just, yeah, I look. It's, to me, I, I'm. I, it's a joke. That's to me, it's a joke because as we talked about before, I do like Twitter. I enjoy it. I have to like, like I said at the start of the show, that interact. See that. See, uh, just to take a point, right? And this is my rant for the week. That whole thing I talked about at the start of the show, you know, being able to uh, go on Twitter and just mention about that book I read and tag yeah. the author to say, thank you, you know, for writing yeah. a great book. And then that person then be able to, you know, respond to that and, you know, retweet it. It's great. Yeah. That to me is Twitter. That, yes. that engagement, right. Twitter for me, isn't this crap, excuse me for saying that, that we're seeing at the moment, you know, with um, Musk basically just trying to railroad Instagram because it suits him. That's yeah. that's what worried me, you know. I just I, yeah. I'm a lurker on actually pretty much all social media. I just consume it. I don't really reply back, so I, I might have a different take on that. But yeah, I, I'm not liking where Twitter's going. No, not at all. Sorry, back to where you were. That's all right. <laughs> okay, so right. Well, this is an interesting turn of events, actually. Um, <laughs> I was a bit what when I read it. So the yeah, UK National Crime Agency, the NSA. NCA, NCA, not NSA, sorry, <laughs> that's going to be confusing. The NCA are basically on a spree of creating lots and lock, lots, sorry, lots and lots of fake boost, booter sites. So basically, a booter site is kind of a, a website you can go and sign up and launch distributed denial of service attacks against anyone you wanted to. So yeah, the NCA have created loads and loads of those, uh, basically aiming to disrupt the market for DDoS attacks. Uh, making people who want to sign up confused about whether it's a legit site, a fake site or not. Uh, but it gets worse for the people that sign up, aren't they? No. Not only is it a fake site, the NCA are then going to take your details. And if you're based in the UK, you'll be then contacted by the National Crime Agency or the local <laughs> police or warned about engaging in cybercrime. Uh, obviously, for people that aren't in the UK, it'll be forwarded on to, uh, to uh, your, your local jurisdiction. Though I'm not sure anyone's actually going to put the real information in. You say that. You say that. Okay, sorry. There, there, there will be some people, but I, 
I don't know. But, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like I say, you know, they basically have created their own honeypots here, haven't they, with they uh, have, these, fake, yeah. these fake DDoS tools. And we all know that, you know, on the dark web and other places, uh, people, you know, particularly script kiddies, are going to turn up, buy some services, uh, you know, not just, and some other people to try and, as you say, disrupt, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but yes, that is, uh, that is um, a... Uh, a, a a punishable act under the Computer Miss Act, is, Act yeah. 1990. Um, the same as if you're in the US, isn't it? What was it? The uh, Computer and Fraud Abuse Act, um, which again, you can be done for. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, if you are daft enough to enter your own details because, you know, guess what? That's what you want to yep. do. Um, and people will do it. I mean, let's be honest. Look at that guy who got done by the FBI the other week um, for complaining, wasn't it, that his details weren't showing up on the uh, Have I Been Pwned website. Uh, yeah. And then asked, you know, and then he he they asked him what email address did he use and he gave his own email address, but then stated, oh, no, no, that wasn't my address. That's just one that looks very similar in the <laughs> string for, like, people no, are stupid, no. you know. Yeah, people are. are stupid, you know, and... Uh, I would now, not be surprised if people yeah. have done this. <laughs> but obviously, and this is why it's just the, the NCA or the police will, will warn them because they've actually committed an offence at that point. All they've done is log on to a site that's actually a fake one. So, um, But yeah, I suppose there's the intent there. So they're going to get a warning, a little slap on the yeah, wrist. But you, uh, you, don't need, you don't need to be given your personal details. Though, because if you don't yeah. come through this via VPN or, or something else, you're just going to have traceable IPs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, definitely. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I still think it's just very, very funny that they're setting this up. I do. I think there are bigger fish to fry here than DDoS, but, um, uh, but you know, uh, fair play <laughs> to them. This doesn't seem know. like much effort other than slapping no. the one that up. Yeah, it's, it's an easy win. I was going to say, I bet you somebody in the NCA has gone, I've had an idea. <laughs> like, we'll get the janitor to build us a website. <laughs> no real effort involved here. No, no, no real effort at all. And uh, you know, and <laughs> you just know someone's gone. Will it work? And I bet you they go. They log back in and gone. Yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah. Watching all those IPs come in. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it works. Oh dear God. <laughs> I, I have to say, when I saw it myself, I too was a bit like, what the hell is this? You know, like... <laughs> All right, then, let me fire up the tech rant rumor mill. So, we've got one rumor this week for the iPhone 15. So, we are getting to that time yeah. of year. WWDC oh. was announced. Uh, right, we'll talk about that next week in a bit more detail, but yeah. um, that can mean only one thing. We are getting into Apple season, aren't we? Rumor so, season. What... Rumor, rumor season. season. Definitely. So what have we got there for the 15 then? <clears throat> so obviously we talked about this. I had to look back from my notes way back in January about the alleged new capacitive button. So doing away with um, the physical buttons. That's right. On yeah. the iPhone 15 or the volume ones and the power one. And they were going to be new capacitive buttons. Uh, but we're hearing a bit more information about this uh, and also the replacement of the mute switch. So mm. we're hearing that basically these new capacitive buttons are going to have a kind of 3D touch. So for example, you could swipe to change volume or the harder you press on the button the quicker the volume could increase as, as an example uh, which is interesting uh, I'm still not entirely convinced by capacitive buttons uh, even more of a mm, I'm not sure the room is they're replacing the mute switch the toggle you have with, with an action button so very much like you get on the watch ultra and this allegedly will be user programmable okay 
I, I, yeah, I guess. I like the mute switch. I know I where I am with the mute switch. I, do. I look at it and I know it's muted. But I'm looking at capacitor button. I don't know if that's muted without going into the software. And I have a feeling it could be very easy to tap if you kept it as a mute button. No. So I kind of get you here with it. Um, yeah, two, so two thoughts. First off, I'm with you. I like to see the mute button is off. My phone is always... In fact, I couldn't tell you the last time I turned my phone out of mute. Um, so maybe that's okay then. It's just muted always. But I just like that. If I'm in a meeting, I like to just look at the phone and go, ah, oh, it's definitely muted. I'm not going to look like the idiot here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but on the other hand, I'm like... Things have got to change. I get it, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Worse now on the idea of the other one, the the other is it the action button you said? It was yeah. action button. Yeah, yeah, the action button. Now, yeah, which is going to replace the mute switch. I so if on the idea of an action, no, for, yeah, on the idea of a of an action button for a minute, not a, you know, a yeah, mute not replace them, but the action no. button itself. Yeah, I really like the idea. I really <laughs> like the idea of this. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes you could map it to, you know, like, you know, when you've got the phone, you've got the camera, the flash, but actually having a button to press for the camera quickly. Yeah, to, physical quick action camera button would be nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, maybe launching another app or something, like a common app or something that I want to have, you know, with that. Um, I just, those sort of things, I can see value in that, you know. Yeah, definitely. But replacing existing buttons and creating a combination button, I don't know about that. That, that worries me, you know. Mm, yeah, it's that mute button's been there for 15, for fourteen iterations. Well, thirteen actually, because there wasn't uh, nine, was there? But yeah, all the phones, all the iPhones. Yeah, it just seems a bit. I just, I get you, know, Apple. They want to innovate, you know, and also this. I think this can go some way towards completely waterproofing the phone as well. Definitely, um, yeah. Because you know they've got an IP six. Is it IP sixty eight or sixty seven rating with the new seven? I thought it was. Yeah, sixty eight. So got... uh, I don't know. You've got you've got a high you know you've got a high waterproofing slash you know dust with these phones anyway, um, and you know, and, and obviously at the moment we've only got one port on the bottom which is the uh, USB C slash uh, lightning port. Lightning, cough, yeah. cough. Um, I, it's going to get that way, isn't it? Really, but I think to get rid of to get rid of existing buttons and if, expect users to learn how to do it. Now I can't actually know. You no, know, I'm going to contradict myself there. We had this whole thing with Face ID. Do you remember when they got rid of Touch ID, introduced Face ID, and we all said the same thing? Well, what? The, how the hell is this going to work? But you know what? People do adjust to these things. So in one respect, do it, it, it may you know it may but work. But Touch ID is still easier. <laughs> well, yeah. Especially it in probably... COVID, it was with our mask on. Well, till they released uh, the updates, yeah, definitely. But you know. But yeah, I mean, yeah, a touch ID is easier, definitely. Um, but hey ho, uh, the other thing that bugged me was like capacitive buttons require power. Yes. How does that work if your phone's turned off? Well, How do you same... turn it back on without power? <laughs> I think the reason they said that would be, I think the argument wasn't it that the same way, um, oh, the the same way that Apple Pay works, and it uh, is. Yeah. It, it, the rumor the ultra... is there'll be a new microprocessor. That's yeah. gonna have a super ultra low powered chip that's dedicated yeah. to handling one the capacitive buttons, uh, but it will also now take over duty for the Find My, uh, which obviously works when your phone's turned off, off ish. Uh, it'll do the Bluetooth ultra wide band and the Apple, is it Apple Pay Express Transit. That's the one, isn't it? Which is yeah. uh, the Oyster Card kind of thingy. 
Wasn't um what, what uh was it the U1 chip, wasn't it, where they released, wasn't it? That was the first time around, was it U1? Uh U1 was is the bit that handles the ultra wide band, isn't it? For fine. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm guessing it's gonna be some kind of um slightly pimped up version of it. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> Pimp by U1. <laughs> Pimp by U1, yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, definitely yeah, that. But I mean look. It's gonna. It, we know this is gonna happen, isn't it? It's gonna be. Yeah. So I'm interested to see where this goes, but yeah. On the on the other hand, I'm also a bit confused of like, what are they trying to replace? I mean, the other rumor I see that kind of goes in conjunction with it is that they're going to remove all SIM cards worldwide or SIM trays. Well, that was the rumor the first time around when they introduced SIM eSIM, wasn't it's it? Only in the US at the moment, isn't it? They, there's no SIM trays. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which but, yeah. I have to, I would I wouldn't have an issue with that personally. Oh, as long as your network supports eSIM, that, yeah, then I wouldn't have an issue with it. <laughs> no, no, not at all. If they were to just to go announce it for the fifteen, it's worldwide. I, I, there'd be a fair few carriers that aren't ready for this. Yeah, but again, sometimes things have got to change, haven't they? I have until you got no signal. <laughs> I don't want to be that one with no signal when I'm out about. That's what SOS mode's for. <laughs> <laughs> Real time satellite comms, yeah? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Right. Well, at that point, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up for today. We'll be back next week for episode 129, um, yep. where we've already got a few stories. One of these we're going to be talking about E3 next week, and well, E3 not, I should say. And also Amazon Sidewalk Network, which is quite eye-opening when we'll get into that in a bit more detail but of course you can find us still on twitter we'll still be there because we've got no blue tick we'll still be there on twitter uh, uh, uh at weekly tech rant i couldn't think of what we were uh, and of course all our show notes are at techrant.online and of course wherever you get your podcast from to recommend to your friends or tell them where we are that'd be greatly appreciated and of course if you've got any thoughts comments do let us know um with that i've been jay i've been carl have a good evening all